It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Marcus Mosier. He is Lena McCool, and we are Locked On Cowboys. Today, we are answering your Twitter questions uh, as we get ready for a big Week 14 game against the Washington football team. But before we do that, Lena, how are you doing today, sir? Good. Uh, have you noticed we, we, we took away the backdrop temporarily because uh, I got some complaints from some very knowledgeable folks who said that I looked like Marley from A Christmas Story. So uh, uh, I took that to heart, Marcus. And uh, yep. we dro- I mean, uh, whoever said that, and yep. we uh, yep. dropped the, the green screen for now. Uh, but I'm excited to take questions. Uh, this is a big week. Uh, it's, uh, you know, as Washington and Philadelphia fans refer to it, it's Dallas week for them. Uh, which is a thing that they, you know, really, Sunday, really so. care about playing us uh, every time they do, uh, which is, you know, kind of pathetic, but whatever. Yeah, uh, we've got a lot of really good questions today. We got some history questions for you guys. We've got some draft stuff, which we'll get into, and then we got some stuff about the rest of the season. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, Lid, this one's a really fun question. This is from our guy Tony. He wants to know why. Uh, is Troy Aikman so criminally underrated? Uh, this probably stems from a couple videos that I maybe posted this morning of some of his ridiculous throws that he had in the playoffs. But uh, I think this is a good question for you. Why don't you think Troy Aikman gets enough respect from the football community? I think it's a numbers thing, right? Like, I, I mean, so. his his numbers overall, his volume of, of passes and, and passing yards is not incredibly impressive. A very good Troy Aikman win uh, during the 90s run of the Cowboys, you know, included something like him going, you know, 19 of 24 for 200 yards, right? And like a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's because, because you know, they get, they ran the ball a lot with uh, Emmitt Smith. It was a different era back then. Um, you know, I think the thing that made Troy Aikman so amazing is that when you knew it was time to throw and you knew that the bang eight was coming and you knew that it was going to Michael Irvin, it didn't matter. Like you couldn't stop it. So uh, I I think that that's really kind of the thing that made him so amazing is that at the moment that you needed him, when the time had to come, when he had to make the perfect throw, uh, he was as accurate as any quarterback in NFL history. I agree. With you. I think it's a stats thing, and it's not because the Cowboys weren't a good offense back then. Like, no. look, I'm looking at it like some of the numbers right now. Like in 1992, they had the the number two ranked offense. 93, the number two ranked offense. Number 94, the second ranked offense. 95, the third ranked offense. Like they were putting up points. Aikman and Irvin actually, especially, did had some really bad luck where they were fantastic at getting the ball to the one yard line. And then Emmett would score every single time from the one yeah. yard, right? So like Aikman's stats could have been way better than, than what they were. 
he just didn't throw for a bunch of touchdowns. And I think now when people go back and look at the stats and they see seasons of 26 touchdowns and 13 interceptions, it's like, okay, it's fine. It's not a Hall of Fame great, but when you go back and watch those games, he was one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the league at the time. So, Absolutely. You know, and I think that that's – you know, it, it's tough when you look back through the prism of what we see now in modern day passing. I mean, it's the they're throw, people are throwing the ball all over the field. It wasn't like that back then. I mean, there were teams that were throwing the ball like that, but they weren't winning a lot of football games back then. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those situations where you really kind of have to go back and look at the context of the teams he was playing on to yep. understand how great Troy Aikman was. He did from 1991 to 1996. He completed like 65% of his passes, which was insane back then. Like if you completed over 60%, you were doing really, really well. Uh, he just didn't have the touchdown totals to ever be an MVP candidate. So there you go. And he was uh, doing real quick. He was doing yeah. it in a Coriel offense, not oh, in one yeah. of these West Coast offenses where you're completing a ton of short passes to your running backs, a lot of easy dump offs. You know, Steve Young had similar uh, completion percentage around yeah. that time but he was also playing in an office that was designed to get short, easy passes completed and let the players uh, uh, try to run after the catch. Aikman was making, when he was throwing the football, was making more difficult throws uh, on a consistent basis and completing them at a similar rate. Yeah, I mean, you had seasons where Emmett would catch 60 passes and Moose Johnson would catch 35 or 40 passes. Like, it's just, that's kind of the way the offense was structured back then. Uh, all right, let's get to some more questions about this modern-day Cowboy team. Uh, Lynn, this is a really good one after last night. This one's from Jared. He said, after watching uh, the Monday night football game between the Bills and the Patriots <laughs> and possibly having to go to Green Bay in January, do you believe the Cowboys are capable of winning a bad weather game? Yeah, I think that they can. I mean, you know, you've got a, a, a team that wants to run the football. They likes to run the football. Uh, you've got an offense that's built, you know, from the trenches out. It may not have played like that recently but i think you generally uh have trust in your offensive line um you know i think that this is a team that when they're fully healthy and they're they're you know or at least somewhat healthy they can win in a whole bunch of different ways including in the grind it out run the football sort of way so um yeah i could easily say see the cowboys you know kind of playing that sort of uh, uh new england patriots offense that we saw on monday night uh, and, and and having success there if they needed to. I agree, but they've got to figure out a way to run the ball better. Like what we've yeah. seen over the last two months is not going to be good enough to run the ball in January against a good defense, right? Like no matter who you play on the road, it's going to be a good team. So I think that's certainly something that needs to improve. Uh, we should just kind of tie this into the next question because a bunch of people are wondering, how do the Cowboys improve their rushing attack over the final five games of the season? I just think they need to get back to this, some more of the variety. I mean, I, I don't know that, you know, there's definitely was some, some, you know, shuffling around and there's, there needs to be a little bit performance by a couple of guys, better performance by some guys in the offensive line at times, but, you know, kind of going back and rewatching, re rewatching the game last night. Hmm. Um, it just felt like that there needed to be more, you know, early on, what, one of the things that we really praised the Cowboys for was just how, uh, how varied their, their their rushing attack was, how how broad it, it was, just because the, the depth and breadth of their playbook has really become 
you know, legendary at this point. They've, they've gone through a wide zone system. They've, they've, they added in power. They've added in man concepts. They've added in QB run concepts and jet sweeps. And, and, and since they've been kind of compiling this run game for, you know, since the beginning of the Garrett era, uh, they have a, a playbook that is, uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, thick with a variety of run plays. It, it didn't feel like they were running a lot of that uh, at different times. It felt like they had really kind of narrowed the playbook down almost too much uh, when they were trying to run the football. And, and and I think that, you know, what what New Orleans specifically was trying to do was steal gaps back while playing two, two-man shells. You know, they were able to kind of use movement to, uh, you know, disrupt specifically, you know, the inside zone and, and wide zone stuff by getting quick penetration, backdooring some of these blocks and just, you know, forcing the running back to make right make moves right. before he even gets to the hole so the cowboys just need to kind of clean that up a little bit they need to mix things up because you know guys backdooring uh, you know the, the inside zone means that you need to be running more power you need to be getting the ball outside with with with, with blockers and leaving those guys who penetrate the dust maybe more traps i mean i think that there's just a need for a more uh, uh varied uh run type in 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 their game because otherwise you know i think Teams are just going to be key on what they're doing quickly, yep. uh, and they're going to end up putting them in bad situations on second and third down. It would also help if Ezekiel Elliott could get a little healthier. I know he's incredibly banged up now. I don't, it doesn't sound like the Cowboys are going to sit him at all. Jerry Jones said he's healthy. I don't buy that at all. Um, they need him to start playing better because he, he's – the version that we're seeing of Zeke now is just not what we saw early in the season. It's because he's not healthy. So – Getting him healthy, maybe getting Tony Pollard some more touches, I think will help the running game. Uh, we're going to get to some more questions about the offensive line and the rushing attack. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Boost Mobile, a new sponsor here on the Locked on Cowboys podcast. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch, so you can get the latest ep- episodes of the Locked on Cowboys podcast, all on one of America's largest 5G networks, more power to save, Boost Mobile. Also, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus from football, basketball, baseball, right to boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, back to questions. This one from at uh, GMO underscore Astro. He wants to know, what is our biggest priority for our first round pick in next year's draft lane? And we're already talking about the draft. I'm running back. Uh, <laughs> running back. Uh, yeah, that's it. Let's go. Moving on. Uh, you know, it's December, so I guess that's fair. Um, we got listen. We got the college football playoffs coming up here in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the season's almost over. Um, you know, I, I think the Cowboys are in a spot where they have a lot of talent right now. Um, you know, they, they've got some stuff to do in free agency for sure, and I think that will ultimately kind of help dictate a little bit of what uh you know what what we're likely to yeah. see in the first round of next year i would you know the other thing i always say and we've always said is that you know it pay attention to what whose contracts are expiring this year and or next year uh the cowboys de- definitely like to try to replace 
guys that they aren't mm -hmm. planning on re-signing sometimes a year early. So uh, look at those positions and see where you have uh, 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 you know some vacancies. Wide receiver, maybe, uh, you know, potentially a, a, a starting running back if we can get up to the top of the of the uh, of the draft of the first round. Uh, I mean, listen, if you listen to certain Cowboy podcasts, you'll you'll hear that thought, which is absolutely crazy. Um, let's just go through a couple of positions really quickly, sure. because I don't know how much you guys have kind of looked at this draft, looked at mock drafts coming up, but it's really deep at a couple of positions. One yeah. is cornerback. We actually talked about corners yesterday. Anthony Brown's playing pretty well outside of the Thanksgiving game. He's under contract. Jordan Lewis is under contract. You drafted uh, Nation Wright and Kelvin Joseph. So as good as the cornerback class is this year, I've got a hard time believing the Cowboys are going to spend a first-round pick on that position, right? Well, I mean, you know, the, one of the things the Cowboys have been really good at at these last few years is taking advantage of deep classes by already filling up at the position – and then allowing other teams try to hit those cornerbacks, yeah. you know, ride those cornerback runs, which pushes down uh, more talented players that you would that you would hope to, to fall to you. So, I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if cornerback is not something necessarily the Cowboys are looking for uh, next year, and that maybe you know the the depth at the position will help push down some players, the talented players at other positions. I'm gonna go through a couple more positions. Um, I'm not gonna waste any time watching safeties in this year's draft. I'm just not gonna do it. Because yeah. every single year we get excited about a couple of safeties and they pass on them. So they're not drafting a safety in the first round. Linebacker? I mean, they – I know. It's it's so many assets to spend on a freaking off-the-ball linebacker. You spent first-round pick in 2018, a second-round pick in 2016, uh, first-round pick this year, but – you look at the defense, it's probably the weakest spot going into the 2022 season. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, again, it's shocking that we're talking about this again. I mean, uh, if, if you were to, to ask preseason Marcus and Landon about this, they would, they would, their jaw would be hanging on the floor. You know, I, I think it, it, it's a little bit more palatable to kind of think about drafting a first round linebacker when you really kind of consider that Micah Parsons isn't really a full-time linebacker. So, you know, he's not necessarily filling that role uh, the way you want. And, and, and look, you can say what you want. Maybe dra you don't draft a linebacker that high, you know, at 11 or 10 or, you know, in the top 10, uh, you know, if he's a regular linebacker, but if the Cowboys are picking at, 28 you know it anywhere from 28 to 32 yeah. uh yeah. then uh then i think yeah i mean linebacker that's kind of a spot where you the value makes sense anyways and if you can get a good one uh suddenly you had a defense that uh is really looking good I, I i also think you know depending on the way things roll out with randy gregory pass rusher could be a position that you can see that's at. one see okay so that one's a fascinating one to me as well because DeMarcus Lawrence has a big contract number next year. I don't think the Cowboys are going to move on from him, but there's also a chance that they do. They, maybe they'd say, hey, let's let's move on from Lawrence. Let's sign Randy Gregory, and we'll have Gregory. We'll have Parsons who can do some stuff there. We drafted Chauncey Golston, but the problem is they don't have any depth. That's where I think like a second or third round edge rusher could come in handy, right? Because Lawrence Armstrong is a free agent. They do like Terrell Basham, but he's going to be entering the last year of his, his deal. I think defensive end is definitely a spot the Cowboys could add to. Yeah, I mean, just because, you know, you can never have too many numbers there, frankly. And, yeah. and uh, as we saw today, as we saw this season, 
you have three guys that you really, really like as pass rushers, uh, and that they've played a grand total of like 30 snaps together and uh, through 14 games. So 13 games. So that's yeah, pretty pretty bad. Defensive tackle is interesting because if you could get an elite player there, it would make sense. However, you got a lot of numbers there, right? Tristan yeah. Hill, Oso Tigizua, Deville Gallimore. You could, I still think you could use one more guy there, but probably not in the first round. And then you go to the offense. Do you draft an offensive tackle? They're trying to figure out ways to play Terrence Steele and Lyle Collins at the same time right now. Do you draft an interior offensive lineman with Connor Williams probably leaving in free agency? I don't think you draft a tight end. A wide receiver, probably not early just because you invested in CeeDee Lamb. You'll more than likely have at least Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup on next year's team. They are in an interesting spot because they don't have one glaring need other than linebacker, but I, I think they'll, they'll probably just continue to load up on defense if I had to guess. I wouldn't rule out wide receiver. I mean, because like if, if either Gallup or Cooper leaves, especially if Cooper leaves – then you then you really should consider getting a wide receiver high because this the the this offense is hinged this team is hinged on having a really yeah. talented offense uh, and you kind of take away that edge by losing that third wide receiver. The right receiver would have to fall to them, right? Yeah, I mean it's not just I, like going for a receiver, but if a first round talent falls to you, don't don't yeah. look a gift towards the mouse, grab them. I'm just so fascinated by the Amari situation because you just hear these little rumblings like Dallas didn't touch Amari's money this offseason for a reason. Like they want to have – if they need to get out of his contract, they can do that. And there's whispers that maybe they're not always happy with Amari Cooper and stuff. But I just – I would think the last couple of weeks would show you exactly show why you, you need yeah. Amari Cooper, right? Exactly. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's not try to cheap out on Amari Cooper when he's clearly a large portion of the straw that stirs the string. So Exactly. I, I don't necessarily understand. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, what have you seen from Tyler Biotish in year two? Has he been more than just a serviceable <laughs> center this year? That's funny, you know, because I was just about to mention him in the last segment is that, you know, one of the other positions you can think about is, you know, and one of the guys that – that has been spammed in our DM group from uh, from friend of the show John Owning. Is, oh, uh, you can't Tyler let him Lindemar. just take credit for Tyler. Tyler oh Lindemar. no 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 doubt. <laughs> no, 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 you were you were on board with that earlier early too. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say this: I think that he's played much much better football okay. the second half of this season than he has the first half of this season and the second half of last season. So uh, he's kind of in a weird spot, right? Where I think. You could have looked at the center as a, oh yeah, that's a spot that we could easily target. But as he's gotten it along the season, he's played pretty good football, and it's to the point now where you you, you kind of want to see if he can continue to grow there. I mean, he's all, yeah. this is only his second year, and he's a very young player, and 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 mm-hmm. he has a lot of pedigree uh, that was kind of overshadowed by an, an injury filled or a kind of recovering senior year. So yep. uh, I, I think that. You know, he's a guy that was probably on the list of replaceable earlier in the season and has kind of slowly, slowly played his way off to the point where I feel like you could easily go into next year if he continues to grow and feel like, okay, I think we feel comfortable with Biotis. We don't necessarily feel the need to pull the trigger uh, in, in a high spot. Maybe if a guy falls to us, that's fine, but I don't think we're necessarily trying to target that as a position to replace. I agree. I think he's somebody that I'm willing to 
like to see how the rest of his rookie contract plays out. We're only in year two. He's only started like probably what 20 games in his NFL career. I think they're fine there. Now, could they use another interior offensive guy? You sure. know, because Connor McGovern next year is going to be entering, you know, the last year of his deal. Maybe you draft somebody in the side of the top four rounds that you kind of just develop him. That way, when McGovern leaves, or if you need somebody else, you have a backup. But I don't think they should be actively looking to replace uh, Tyler Biotis at all. I agree. Yeah. I mean, uh, Connor Williams makes that a little more difficult because this is his last year. So maybe you look to, in general, draft in the mid rounds, like a developmental exactly. mid, like swing guy. Or maybe you really like Farniak and hope that Farniak kind of takes another step. But I think either way, you're going to need to uh, add or retain a guy on your offensive yes. line interior for next year. It's interesting that we haven't heard anything about Josh Ball this year. I know he's not an interior offensive lineman, but literally nothing since training camp, right? I wonder if I wonder if part of the PR strategy with Josh Ball is just to not talk about him very much until it's needed. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. Well, no, the other thing is they just don't really have a roster spot for him, right? They've got four offensive tackles on the roster right now. He's he's not beating out Tainaseki, right? Like so. No, so just put him in the weight room, right? Just have him, yeah. you know, get stronger and get 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 ready yeah. for competing next year. I would imagine. And just have, hopefully everybody forgets about him until we we need him. Uh, yeah. All right, let's take out one more quick break so I can tell you guys about Beachbound. Beachbound vacations are absolutely fantastic. I've taken one of these before. I went to Jamaica. It was a lot of fun. Uh, whenever I am at a beach resort, I like to just relax, have a drink, look at the pool. Uh, I, I buy buy fantasy football magazines, just read all of them. Uh, but as long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I will be happy. Visit beachbound.com to find your perfect beach vacation, beach vacation for you. No matter what you are looking for, what are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Lane, let's get to a couple more questions. This one from Mark. Does Micah Parsons beat the rookie sack record this year? Uh, so the most sacks ever by a rookie is Javon Curse, not J. Ron Curse, but Javon Curse in 1999 with 14 and a half. I believe Micah Parsons has is it 10 sacks right now? Yeah. So you need yeah. he would need five sacks over the final five games. Does he do it? I don't think he does. Um, I, I would not be surprised if he did at all because he's you know, close. But I, I think that's that's a tall order for a guy that likely will be rushing the passer a, a tick less than yeah. he has been previously yeah. because of the return of Randy Gregory and Marcus Lawrence. Um, yeah, I think it's a deployment issue more than a talent issue, uh, if anything. I, I'm certainly not putting it past him to uh, uh, to do it. I just think that there is a reason to believe opportunity is not going to be quite as high as it was previously, and that might you know have him coming up just short. Yeah, so what do we think he gets to, like 12 or 13 probably? Yeah, I think 12 or 13 seems reasonable. I mean, to expect a, a sack a game for the next you know, five games is that's a lot. I do think there's a chance like in a game like against Washington where he just has like two and a half because 
he's getting a lot of these cleanup sacks with Heineke Maybe. just trying to scramble around. That's that's what he would need. I don't think he's going to get yeah. a sack a game. Like he needs one of these big games where hey, it's three sacks and they all came in yeah. one contest. That's that's what he's going to need. Uh, I'll tell right. you what, if the Cowboys yeah. offense kicks it up like, and they start you know, scoring points at a pace that they had been previously, it, it, it could happen because then teams are going to need to throw the football a bunch more. and That means he's likely going to get more opportunities to rush the passer. I agree. Uh, all right, next one from at Kevin Paul, Texas. Uh, he wants to know, <laughs> can we get some punter love? I feel like Brian Anger has yes. been as consistent and has been a noticeable improvement to what we've been accustomed to. You are right. Brian Anger has been really, really good this season. We have not mentioned him once all season long. So, yes, that's a good call because I think he's been really, really solid for him. I I will say, to my own credit, I have tweeted out several different points during the year (laughs) that I thought that Brian Anger has been punting very well because he has. He has. There's been several times when he's had several games where he's flipped field position when the Cowboys were struggling and they definitely needed it. Uh, yeah, and I think it has kind of gone under notice because everyone hates to punt, and I, I totally understand that. But when you need a punter, uh, <laughs> it's good to have one, and Brian Anger has has had a really good season so far this year. Um, I got I got a stat for you. Are you ready? Yeah, let's hear it. Do, do you know that Brian Anger is now averaging more yards per punt than in any Cowboy season ever? Uh, like, no punter has had more yards per punt than, Dal- than Anger, and actually – he is currently 16th all time in yards per punt, yards per punt leader. So uh, he's having a really, really good season, and it's a big addition that the Cowboys made. I think he, I think he deserves a lot of credit. I agree. It absolutely is something that that should not be overlooked because we've had seasons where we've had bad punters, and it's you know it's hurt us at really bad times. Who is your least favorite punter the Cowboys had? You have to have one that you just absolutely did not like. Man. Mike Knorr? I mean, I, I'm just indifferent there. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, I, Chris, Chris Jones, Jones got pretty bad at the end of his Yeah, career. I mean, yeah. at different points. I, I think, you know, he did some other things that made you feel better about him that weren't punning. Uh, you know, like, you know, running the football and, uh, yeah. you know, some tackling. of the fake stuff. Tackling. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would say – uh, I don't really have like a punter that's like on my, it's not like kicker, right? It's like where, I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't have that kind of uh, player hate for, for punters. Like I do kickers, I, I guess. Matt McBriar. McBriar was good for a while. I liked McBriar. Yeah. I don't know. See, that's the thing is all the punters I can think of on the top of my head. I kind of liked. So I didn't know I you know. love punters as much. As, I, it's, it's it's just that I don't hate them. I think it's more than anything. It's 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 not like a it's it's more of a neutrality thing. I, Toby I Goen was he bad? I don't I don't, I don't even remember. <laughs> like I don't I don't keep punter stats in my head. It's you know there's a lot of stuff that has to get pushed out. I think the punter numbers are probably first to go in my brain, right? Well, I, I will say this. It's, I don't remember if they pronounced it Toby Gowan or Toby Gowan. I think it was Gowan. I think it's Gowan. Uh, his last year in Dallas, he averaged 38 yards a punt. So that's pretty terrible. So uh, <laughs> that's only, yeah, I hate, only to- I hate Toby Gowan. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> Toby Gowan. Sure. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> the, don't be too upset. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. That is all our questions that we got for today. I mean, 
finishing on a punter question is just absolutely unbelievable. I, I would not be shocked if nobody is listening this far to the podcast. Everybody immediately unfollow this podcast. We're only talking about punters from here on out, guys. So uh, unless you want that, go ahead. All right. Well, here's the final question. How would you grade Greg Zerline this year? Because people, if you you look on Twitter, out people, of the frying pan into the oven, you're going to from punters to kickers. Well, I'm saying people seem like they really hate Greg Zerline. I, I I don't really have any strong feelings about him because I watch football every all Sunday long and I see what the alternatives are. So I, I guess I just don't really know. Yeah, I'm I'm basically my whole thing about kickers is just get one and use it. And 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 who cares? Like honestly, like the, the whole chasing the problem was trying to like chase that dragon into getting thinking that you have a great kicker that is should be utilized at a regular basis, that you should be kicking field goals. Instead, you should just be going for it on fourth down more often and only kicking it when you need to. So if you're only gonna kick it when you need to, I'd rather have a guy that has a big leg who can kick it through the back of the end zone on kickoffs and then could potentially set you up for a long game-winning or game-tying field goal at the end of the game. And I think that's what Zerline is. You know, is he reliable uh, from uh, 40 yards in? Probably not. But, uh, you know, then again, I I think that a lot of people waste a lot of energy in the NFL constantly trying to chase, you know, uh, uh, Murray from, like, you know, in his prime. Like, that, that, those guys – come along every once in a while, and then they only last for like two or three seasons, and then they fall off. So, okay, really quickly. How many kicks inside of 50 yards do you think Greg Zerline has missed this year? Is it four? Two. He's missed two kicks inside of 50 yards. Yeah. Now he's missed that five good, extra, good extra points. points. So he's missed five. No, he's missed five extra points, and that's really okay. the problem. Yeah. So, but my issue is. People will look at his field goal make percentage, and it's only eighty-one percent, right? And they'll say, "Oh, the Cowboys aren't doing. They, they need to get a more consistent kicker." It's not really fair because Dallas has kicked a grand total of yeah two field goals inside of thirty yards. Compare that to like somebody like the Raiders, who have kicked seventeen field goals inside of thirty yards. Seventeen yeah. field goals. So Dallas just isn't kicking a lot of those easy ones where you bring up your make percentage. A lot of Greg Zerline's kicks that he is attempting are, you know, they're 56 yard field goals, which he made one last week, right? So yeah. I I don't know. I just percentage is not good because you're not comparing equal volumes all no. the time, like you just it, mentioned. And the difficulty of the kicks that you're asking your kicker to do is very different depending on your team philosophy. And it's just, I, I don't, there, if you could tell me for sure that these three kickers in free agency are going to be better than what you have in Greg Zerline, that's fantastic. Go get one of those. But we know that's not the case. There's no rhyme or reason why these guys make a lot of kicks and which ones miss a lot of kicks. It just it doesn't make sense, right? Just understand that kickers are kickers and just get one that you like. Make sure that he can do the things that you feel are important for your team outside of field goal kicking, like kicking, you know, kickoffs, that sort of thing. Yeah. And can he do the onside kick stuff? If he can, then you know, what are we doing here? Like just 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 stick with your kicker. It's 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 you're gonna have great times. You're gonna have bad times. Everyone has it. Stop trying to bring in kickers to to find a guy that's that's uh, something alternate to yeah. what every kicker in the NFL save like two or three uh, are like. They're all like this. They go through good times. They go through bad times. Yeah. You can either stick with it or you can chase the dragon and keep trying to sign and re-sign new kickers, hoping Bar-mar. that you've got a guy in the middle of a good. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. 
Uh, we want to thank you guys, uh, all three of you who just finished listening to this podcast. Thank you so <laughs> much for supporting the show. We just did 10 minutes on kickers and punters uh, out of Tuesday. It's, it's just excellent, excellent content. Uh, you thank you, Leo Maharaju, on- for following us in the, during all of this and uh, and all the other free agent kickers who are looking for the job. But we really we, appreciate it. We need to put like a little Easter egg at the end of these podcasts just to see who's listening to us talk about <laughs> kickers and punters. Uh, over the last 10 minutes. So tweet us, tweet us if you survived the kicker talk at the end of this podcast. Cause that, <laughs> and I want to know, know your least true favorite fans. Cowboys punter of all time. I want to hear yeah. the answers. <laughs> let's, let's hear that for sure. I promise I will retweet every single one of them. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. Locked on Cowboys on Twitter. You can follow Lane at McCool BCB. I am at Marcus underscore Mosher. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Hey, prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.